0: Hey everybody, it's uh time for some comedy film nerds. <laughs> it
1: is. A day late, but
0: not a dollar short. Not a dollar short. Mm-hmm. Uh I notice normally we release on Tuesdays, guys, but our guest uh she is was testing for a pilot for a sitcom television pilot. Mm-hmm. So uh she Or had, she had Wicked tickets. <laughs> she had <laughs> wicked tickets. That was <laughs> really a, she had a Tuesday matinee yeah. to mm-hmm. see Wicked. Okay. Yeah, well. It's good. Wicked is good. She lied about it. Mm -hmm. She's a filthy liar.
2: Um, Well, that's our episode. Let's wrap Mm -hmm. it up. Let's uh, let's put it in the books. Um, Last time, one of my guests canceled recently, and they were objectively lying. They were objectively (laughs) lying. And then later, they kind of confessed that they were lying. And it was Mm -hmm. funny to me because it was, ah, the traffic. Ah, the traffic Uh, is so bad. And then what it was was it was more her lunch took too long. And also, that's how excited she was to be on my podcast. She was like, I'm on my way to this podcast. Let me stop off for lunch.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh? Let me stop off for a 90-minute to minute to two-hour lunch. Yeah. Can you imagine
2: if it was
1: completely thought out, and then I'll stop off for lunch and then blame the traffic, like it was all a premeditated cancel?
0: <laughs> it could have been. <laughs> that's how sociopaths operate. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well,
2: we are in show business. I'm going to so. eat myself out of this show. <laughs> <laughs> I know a number of sociopaths, so that's fine. Um,
0: well, I want to thank uh, everyone who came out to see me in uh, Altus, Oklahoma, at the Altus, Oklahoma Air Base. We had uh, some kitten hand fans there. There was a fan in, in the audience, which was very cool, um, and some people who were there like, "Oh wow, I've I've never heard of your podcast. I want to start listening." Altus, Oklahoma, is in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> uh, but. You know, they've got a Holiday Inn Express. They've got a Whataburger. They've got an Applebee's that we ate at twice because we got snowed in and we're stuck there. And then we, uh, uh, and then our show in, in uh, Texas got canceled. It's Shane Moss, who's been on the show, put something very funny on Twitter. He goes, don't mess with Texas. Unless they get an inch of snow, then they can't handle shit. <laughs> like the whole state shuts down. I'm like, you know, in whatever, Wisconsin, this is... Nothing. This is like there's plows everywhere and everything's yeah. taken care of, but none of it. They're just like
1: That's like spring anywhere
0: yeah. <laughs> else. Yeah, they're just they like, they were like, ah, we can't handle it. Um but it was a it was a very fun show in uh in Altus, Oklahoma. Um so thank you to everybody that came out to You know that. why they don't like snow? It reminds them of science. <laughs> Yeah, they get afraid of science. That's probably a, that's probably a viable reason. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Thanks for everyone who came out in that. Uh, it's episode 258. And um, why don't we introduce our guest who was on, I'd say, a couple year or two ago.
1: Yeah, it's been a while. It's not been, a new guest. Not a new but guest. But a return well. guest, but hasn't been on in a
2: while. I'm not a well-enjoyed guest, I <laughs> guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a little bit of time. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> i well liked <laughs> not, Don't enjoy
0: his company And we had You know We had to f- scramble To get a guest today So it's <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not a good friend like, get, you know, was He was lot.
1: not testing For a pilot today no, but, no No
2: And he did not have Wicked tickets I did get some tests Done today and <laughs> <laughs> Good news guys Nothing too serious <laughs> Hey, a little bit of trivia, by the way. First of uh, all,
0: that, ladies and gentlemen, that's the uh, the wonderful voice
2: of uh, longtime friend Jim Bruce. Hey, everybody! It's very good to hear you. Hey, a little bit of trivia, guys. What's your favorite venereal disease?
0: <laughs> oh,
2: I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you what mine is, and then that's how people get to know me really quick. My favorite is chlamydia. Now ask me why. Why? Why? Totally curable. <laughs> <laughs> I did, and if you want, you can ask me how I know that, or you could just leave it alone. I'd like to leave it alone. Yeah, right. let's leave it alone. I prefer to leave it yeah. alone. I'm gonna
0: write down time code because maybe we're gonna <laughs> cut
2: that out. That's a bonus. <laughs> oh, it's a bonus edit. It is a bonus edit. <laughs> bonus edit. Oh, there should be a lot of those in this episode. <laughs> That's gonna be great. Yeah, give me a lot of extra
0: work to do.
1: Yeah. Um
0: so yeah, Jim, you You're uh, gonna
1: be really glad we got a guest last minute now as you're cutting the <laughs> the, the episode into pieces. <laughs> This was a great idea last week
0: It was like It was just Chris and I Because our uh, We had We were just doing the Oscars Our guest couldn't It was like a guest issue last week Mm -hmm. But we we just wanted to talk Oscars anyway Yeah So we're like I can't do that two weeks in a row Mm Mm-hmm And now we got Johnny Weirdo here. So now (laughs) now, now the
2: whole episode is going to be our guest is Jim Bruce. And good night, everybody. (laughs) We just got
0: to edit out all your nonsense. Um, So you have a podcast. Tell tell our fans that I've been on twice. You've
2: been on twice. You were great. This is this, by the way, is what it's like to know Graham. Um, So he was on our podcast twice. The second time he was on the podcast. He st- still don't know where he was going, and he didn't remember he'd been on the podcast before when he showed up. <laughs> and Graham's got a great memory for many things, but just for some reason, he was like, how does this show work? Ah. Well, first of all, it's a podcast, so the answer is it doesn't work. But
1: <laughs> Who are you again?
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, but then, when it came to comedy, Graham delivered. It was hilarious. You great. You're a great guest. It's a fun little show. It's called Who's This Now? You, well, we're on Lipson and we're on iTunes and all that nonsense. Or our Twitter feed, which is um, basically my co-host, Tom, vaguely getting connected to the rest of the world and being angry that he has to do it. But he's the guy who handles the Twitter feed, Feed Who's This Now, on Twitter. It's a funny little show. I have two guests. The first guest is Graham. The second guest is always an improvised guest that the com- comedian doesn't know about till they get there.
0: Which I love. And, and That's a great format. It's a great format. And it's one of the things I love about podcasting is, okay, you like create whatever you want. And the two times it's just like, oh, just I love getting shit thrown at me. Now,
1: yeah. Do you remember both times?
0: Uh, Kind of. I'm a guest on a lot of podcasts. Yeah, so yeah no, I, I know. It's a lot. <laughs> that's not fair. I mean, yeah. I've been to Jim's house before, and <laughs> but I vaguely remember the street. Yeah, <laughs> that he lives on, but uh,
2: you know, it's a, what I like about the show is it's we when we thought of the show, we really wanted a format, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I don't say that lightly because there are a lot of podcasts that think it's awesome to have no format whatsoever. You I d-
0: d- and it's funny because like the shows that. Like when I talk to young comics or whatever on the road and they're like, oh, we're just – I want to do a podcast. We're just going to just talk. And I'm like, there's a bunch of very good seasoned professionals that already have that down really well. Yeah. (laughs) Like uh, Chris Hardwick and Jimmy Pardo and Mark Maron. These people are very skilled at just sitting around and talking. And so if you're not on their level – Come back in 20 years. Yeah, come back in 20 (laughs) years or – Come up with a cool format.
1: Yeah, that's different.
0: That's different. That has a topic you really want to talk
1: about. All right, I love telling the Night Vale story, where that's exactly what they did. They're like, "Well, what is Pod World missing?" They took eight months. And studied what was there, what wasn't there, and what they wanted to do before they even released one episode. Yep. That was
2: pretty awesome. The other thing we don't do on our show, and this was just... Because we're on a fictional network, and Mm -hmm. apparently we're a big success because we have a very big staff. (laughs) But uh, there's no cursing on our show. Like We bleep cursing because... The networks require it, Mm. and we put all these things on top of ourselves that limit us, but also force us to be creative. Yes, limitation is one of the greatest drivers of creativity. You know, you think about George Lucas. George Lucas was much more creative when he had less money. Yeah, and it's true of all people. Mel Brooks was much funnier when things were more limited and people hated Jews more. Yeah, like you know, (laughs) that's just the driving force of comedy and not even just comedy but drama is constraint the best like fiction you think about your favorite um superhero movie it is not the superpowers it's what the character cannot do that makes it a movie
0: it's a that man that is a great point and i think specifically to comedy and it's something we've talked about so many times on this show but you really you really put it succinctly which is will play that for me later cuz i don't do that very often <laughs> um, is uh, Graham
1: didn't write down time code for that.
0: Yeah, it was good. It actually, <laughs> That made the cut, fucko. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you have to bleep it on my show. <laughs> um,
0: but no, we talk about like why comedy sequels are so hard is because the first one had a limited budget, had constraints, and they did so many great things with it. Then the second one, it's like, you guys are the rainmakers. Do whatever you want. And that's like yeah. on and on. I mean, like.
1: Seinfeld said the uh, enemy of comedy is success. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Rewatch the first Austin Powers. Right. Rewatch it and you see a brilliant broad, it's still a broad comedy, but it's a brilliant Mm -hmm. broad comedy. And the things that he's satirizing, first of all, he's satirizing things that I guarantee you most people don't get. Because he's satirizing not James Bond. Sean Connery. Yeah. James Bond. Yeah, he's not even satirizing James Bond. Really, he's satirizing English right um, spy movies that that his father loved. It's a love project because his father mm-hmm. had just passed away. He's satirizing guys' movies I never saw, but it's so funny and right. a little bit of James Bond, of course, right? But really, he's satirizing those like Dapper Dan kind of movies that had nothing to do with James Bond. Right.
0: Yeah, and it, and he's also. Uh, satirizing a specific era in England and in English cinema. Right. Which is really awesome. And then as the sequels, he's just like, it's all just- broader and broader. Yeah, it's just, hey, baby. You know, like that's all it is, is just wacky. Yeah. But like that For that's a great point. The first, that first dance number- Perfect. is un- The first time yeah, I saw yeah. him in the theaters, and he's like, it's oh, my... crowd s- went nuts. I know. Yeah. It's like my scene, and it knocks me out. I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome.
2: And mm-hmm. it was awesome in so many different ways, because, yes, it was funny. But on top of that, it was joyous. Right. It was unrestrained joy, whereas the sequels, you a, the second one, I'll say all of them have funny moments. He's a talented man, and I'm not a hater, but there's so many by the numbers things where the joy is just kind of sucked out. Because at that point we're making money and at that and money's great, but at that point there's very little artistic And merit. there's
1: no surprises in any of the yeah. sequels.
2: And, you know, yeah, baby. What? Yeah,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. But that that's funny too is is you can tell when a movie uh, or or specifically with comedy or like a TV show, you can tell when the, the, the writers and everybody are in a room falling out of their chairs going, oh, dude, right. you got to put that in there versus crank it out, hit this beat, hit that beat because, you know, whatever, this is a franchise now or anything yeah. like that. You can just tell when that happens and that happens on a lot of shows. It happens on late night talk shows. It happens on the sitcoms. It happens on everything because- Do you watch Letterman? I haven't
2: in a while. Letterman's good again. Because he knows he's leaving. Exactly. (laughs) No, exactly. 100% the thing. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's leaving, and not only can he just do what he wants, but he realizes how lucky he is to be doing comedy. He'll miss it. So that kind of sadness is redirected. Letterman's always been a sad fellow, which is why I love the guy, but now it's redirected in the right direction again. It's...
0: Well, it, you know, one of the reasons when he said that he gave for retiring, he goes, I came home one day and my wife goes, how was the show and he goes, I he couldn't remember.
1: Yeah. Cuz he'd like, done so many. I
0: don't even yeah. know what we did and that sort of endless but then right, like everything coming to an end and then and, and, and relishing it and, and saw, gratitude
2: for it. I saw Jay Leno. I've seen Jay Leno on three or four interviews since he left The Tonight Show. And he did this very weird thing where he was amusing and enjoyable. He was wholly enjoyable. Right. He he wasn't the old Jay Leno, because the old Jay Leno was a young man. He'll never be that again, because you come out on the other side of that, and you are an old man. But he's a funny dude again, and he's not constrained by, you know... Trying to be
0: America's favorite comic. Like, he was so... He was so... Um, trying to live up to that high Trying hype. to live up to that, like, I'm, you know... The
1: favorite of 60-year-olds
0: everywhere. Yeah, Middle America loves mm-hmm. me, and I gotta be Johnny Nice, and Mr. Mm-hmm. Back, you know, Next-door Neighbor, as opposed... His early comedy had some real bite to
1: yeah, it. Yeah, no, I mean, when you look at what The Tonight Show became, it was... And if every obvious joke right. was made on that show. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the old joke-writing lesson is, like, when you write a joke... Yeah, uh, You write the first thing that comes to your mind, throw that away, and then write the second thing. Yeah. And you could tell that's not what they were doing. The no, first thing, yeah. the
2: first obvious joke is every time that's what they were doing. Yeah. In fact, I would be willing to bet they did exactly what you're saying. I bet they did throw the first joke away, but what they did is they went, okay, more... Edge, edge it more towards the middle yeah 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 mm-hmm.
0: easy oh, too rough that's too, that's too rough that's got too yeah, much of a yeah. bite to it because those people interviewed would be like well Dave Letterman's too mean or whatever <laughs> It's like okay uh, well, but uh, let's bring it but yeah let's let's get into some films
1: absolutely I, I want to talk about uh, Seventh Son I have to talk wow. about this film and this is the, um, wow. the, the the retribution screening that I had to go see <laughs> the retribution after, screening after um you went to see um, Project Almanac, yeah. <laughs> so I went to see Seven Sun and this was a fascinating film. Uh, it was one of those movies that you knew was going to be bad just from the release schedule alone. Mm-hmm. You know, when when something's shelved for so long and then gets thrown uh, into a theater in February,
0: the movie poster. Looks like one of those movies back in the day when you would walk through a, a like blockbuster back when that was a thing, right. and you'd see it and go, "What the hell's this?" Yeah, when did this come out? Jeff Bridges? Yeah, when is this? Yeah, mm-hmm. and
2: it,
1: I'll tell you if you want to watch Jeff Bridges do a medieval sketch character for an hour and a <laughs> half this is the movie for you. It's like, he doesn't, he's like, he's doing this really weird accent. He's like, talking about all the history and the evil in the world and by the power of grace, girl. It was like so ridiculous. And uh, half the time you couldn't understand what he was saying because he had this weird, uh, sketchy speech affectation. And um, the rest of the movie, I will say this, you could tell a lot of money went into this movie in all the wrong places. That was what's so fascinating. It's got... You know, Julianne Moore is in this movie, and you're thinking, well, you know, now <laughs> after it's Still Alice, and I'm thinking, you know, gosh, she it's probably like wants to forget sun. that she made that movie. Well, it's like Seventh uh, Son
0: and Jupiter ascending. Are like have all these Oscar winners in them? Yeah. We must all just be like, <laughs> oh, fuck. why did
1: they have to release them right before sorry, the Oscars? Guys, <laughs> I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, Eddie and Oh Sunday. God. So this movie, and it's it's all about you know the apprentice that has to help um, fight evil. He's the grizzled, um, you know, he's the mentor, and it makes very little sense. It's they're fighting witches, but witch seems to be a very broad term in this world. Like the witches are now. Um, shapeshifters monsters people that actually do magic but it could be anybody that's um as anything related to magic or um spells that so it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't even matter it's like the traditional which by the way it
2: relates back to what we started the conversation out with one of the reasons your this movie sounds terrible is because there are no limitations there are no rules. no right. there's nothing and, and it's the hardest thing to write magic is a difficult thing to write and be interesting because you have to put borders around right. it or it's nothing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And you have to have, uh, even like there were parts in Harry Potter where those are very well um, thought out and a world with rules and right. all those, the, um, the the way that the magic worked. But even then there was a couple of times, well, wait, if this is this part, then what the, I don't know if right. I'd actually, you know, what was that thing about Horcruxes again? Uh, so... But there's um, you're very you're right. It's anytime when you have magic, it is a very difficult thing. I mean, Tolkien I think did a really nice job with it as far as like when creating the world and what are the rules of the magic and the races and the rings and right. all those things. Now, this movie, um, basically, it has a lot of good actors, a lot of very attractive actors uh, in it, and a lot of really um, nice looking special effects. And all those things. Basically, this is a medieval eye candy. Basically, fantasy eye candy with um, little to zero story, depth, character. Anything that you would want to see in a movie is not there in this film. With the exception of if you want to go see an effects reel. Right. Or if you want to see Julian Moore hamming it up. But what's funny, too, is like when you've got these great actors and actresses like... Um, you know, Jeff Bridges and Julian Moore and, uh, you know, okay, there's a, occasional someone from Game of Thrones shows up in one scene. You know, there's all these also.
2: Probably because they had yeah, the costume on.
1: Yeah, exactly. They were already shooting there. So you, you also see like, um, like, you know, there's all like these little, you know, bit parts that are filled, but, that you know, they spent some money on as well. Um, the, the worst part about watching a movie like this is you can tell that no one's having any fun like you could even tell as you're watching like Jeff Bridges and Julia Moore and all these actors you could tell they're they're literally when is this over can I right. just finally finish this movie is this like, lunch yeah is this l- <laughs> like, like, are we at lunch like, yet like, yeah like, like so you know but when you have like these movies should be fun even if they're not great they still should be fun like a good example is uh like when you have a big star in like paddington when she uh when uh nicole kidman played this evil taxidermist trying to, she had she could tell she was having an absolute blast she yeah. loved being in that film and it was a fun role but here it's like uh what's the paycheck how long is it gonna be can i do a funny voice yes yes <laughs> I yes. Do a funny can voice? i do a funny voice and uh i don't like, want any okay. prosthetic makeup i don't want to be yeah <laughs> And uh, and but there's it's also one of those movies where one scene doesn't match the other scene with the magic rules like uh, that kind of thing like uh, it's like well uh, you know now I'm 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 uh, now I'm you know you know the rules and now um, you have to follow them so okay and then the next scene is like well I'm leaving you're on your own you can do whatever you want wait that's not just what you said in the scene well, before I, it's <laughs> that's like it's those great. Scenes where, like, every editor must have gotten a scene and they didn't really match together. Nobody (laughs) talked to each other. Nobody talked to each other, that kind of thing. Now, there is one point I want to make before we move on about Seventh Son and Jupiter Ascending. These are both high-budget disasters that both came out in February, but the takeaway from studios is always wrong. Like, um, everyone would say, oh, Jupiter sending. See, big budget movies that are supposed to be, you know, creative and not based on an existing property, they're going to fail. Well, guess what? Seventh Son is based on a series of books. Sure. So it, it's completely irrelevant what the source material is. <sighs> yeah.
0: All you have to do is make a compelling good film. Look, it has nothing to do with what well, it's based on. It's weird that this movie didn't do well because <clears> it was directed <throat> by Sergei Bodrov, who's done such classics as... Uh, A Yakuza's Daughter Never Cries, (laughs) 42-1 Dream Rush, Nomad the Warrior, Mongol, The Rise of Genghis Khan, Bear's Kiss, The Quickie, Running, like who the fuck, this guy is the most amazing, he's been doing big budget films for 20, 30 years. I'd
1: be surprised if he speaks English
0: not at all. I mean, he must. They must have. They must have shot this in Bolvania. Oh
1: yeah, like, this, <laughs> definitely, it's the Bolvanian picture. It's like
0: it's. You look at this, and it's like one of those guys. If you watch any type of professional sports, and one of those shitty coaches that keeps getting rehired, and like right. this fucking guy's never even been to the goddamn Super Bowl. Right. How the fuck does he keep getting? You and keep, you look, these keeps, movies are just.
1: He keeps failing upward. Yeah. And, and now he could put on his resume, worked with Jeff Bridges. You know, right.
2: and uh which which Jeff Bridges will not have Jeff on Bridges his... will
1: not put this on his resume. There's no question.
2: <laughs> Hollywood uh, always takes away the wrong message though. It's very true. It's very true. Uh, uh mind numbingly frustrating. You take and uh, this movie hasn't come out yet, and maybe it will be great. I doubt it, but it could be. Um have you, you've seen, I'm sure you've seen the trailer for The Fantastic Four, the reboot of The Fantastic yes. Four. Yes. There's a an example Fantastic of, Four babies? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Real
0: quick, the budget on this movie, $95 million according to IMDb, and it grossed its opening weekend about 17 million.
1: Yes, that's actually being generous. I'm, I'm surprised sure it I'm sure it'll that make much.
0: its money back overseas, overseas. It will just clean up. Yeah, it, some
1: of it will definitely make it back overseas, there's yeah. no question, but it's yeah. the kind of movie too. It's like if you're going to spend that much money, uh, you know, have some kind of of supervision on, the, on yeah. the film like like it's one of those movies where you're like how, how are we still doing this in 2014 and 2015 where these um crazy big budget movies are just such complete disasters from start to finish like well, how, why is that still happening
0: for writers that's always a good sign all Four friends, writers
1: all uh, friends with the uh director that doesn't speak english yeah, exactly. most likely yeah it's,
0: it's <laughs> uh yeah four writers um well, three writers. And, and a,
1: one guy, a, probably the book guy, probably guy got a credit book. that he'd probably like to remove.
0: Yeah, right. Joseph Delaney, and he has it in parentheses, inspiration. So I bet you he went, put inspiration, because that's not my shit those guys did. <laughs>
1: like there, geez.
2: I would not be surprised all right,
0: at all. But Jim, what were you saying about the upcoming Fantastic Four? Well,
2: you look at the upcoming Fantastic Four as, an, as a perfect example of, I think, Hollywood learning the wrong lesson, which is, if you've seen it, it's very dark and brooding and... That's not, that's the lesson they learned from Batman. But that's the wrong lesson to learn from Batman. The right lesson to learn from Batman is hey, let's look at the character and what this character deserves on the screen as far as the best expression of this character. And stay true to its roots. Whereas the Fantastic Four should be campy, should be bright. It should be bright. It should be futuristic. It should be. Gleaming towers—that's the right thing to do. Because right. The right thing to do is almost to make the wrong Batman. You know what I mean? Well, they're and two
1: different animals. It's yeah, like, it's yeah, two two we're just—oh, we'll just—we'll just, we'll, we'll Batman up the Fantastic Four. No, that's exactly what you shouldn't do. Like when they Batmaned up Spider-Man, the last right. one, like, no, that's exactly what you shouldn't do. And they Batman up Superman in the last one. Oh, okay. Well, then let's also take away his ability to speak. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, none of that makes sense. These characters are bright, like you said, they're bright, more hopeful, uh, the opposite of Batman.
2: So, really, the truth is just what's what? What story are you trying to tell? That's it. It's such mm-hmm. a dumb, simple thing. It's it it's feels puzzling. idiotic to say it out loud, like because I'm not saying anything, and yet they don't understand.
0: I'm curious to know what this new Fantastic Four movie is is about because, as we talked about for the most part the Marvel movies have been great you know right. we've we said this yes. we've said this at great length on this show so I, I watched that Fantastic Four trailer on its own I kind of feel like you a little bit Jim like what are they doing but then history the recent history has shown me that most of the Marvel movies are pretty solid. oh this isn't, isn't a Marvel,
2: Marvel movie, movie. Oh. no 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 this now, is uh,
1: I think is that somebody else still has the rights to it I yeah absolutely Fox. that's
2: the so if you the last couple of movies made uh, for the X-Men, I thought were really great. Yes. I happened to enjoy First Class. I enjoyed, uh, what was it, Age, what was it? Apocalypse? What the hell was it called? I don't care. But <laughs> I liked the last two. They were good. Right.
1: Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past.
2: Mm-hmm. This one, uh, I read an interview with the director who compared it a little bit to The Fly. He said it's a little bit like The Fly in the way that we handle the transformation. Mm-hmm. And I find that both... Interesting, this and is 20th century is, yeah. interesting and concerning interesting and concerning because that's a that is interesting to say all right instead of the way that all the powers are just kind of perfectly laid on to a human right. being now we deal with sort of the genetic reality of having been transformed this way that sounds kind of interesting but then again how's it going to be handled how's it going to be handled is always the question well,
1: here, here's a good example too of the way marvel is doing things right um Guardians of the Galaxy has a very very different tone than say Captain America Winter Soldier. Right. For because you're focusing on different characters, different a different type of film, and that's to be respected. Like, what if they took Guardians of the Galaxy and went, you know, we got to make um we, we got to make uh, Iron Man or you know Captain America more like Guardians of the Galaxy? It
0: would be a disaster. Right. It's funny. Like uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, which is also coming out again. That's done by, uh, that's done by Marvel Studios. Yeah, And that's why you know that movie is already going to be great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas Fox has got a hold of this Fantastic Four film, Miles Teller's in it, who I, now, I really like that kid.
2: I don't know when it's going to happen, but be ready for it, and it should be an absolute delight. There will be a Marvel movie that's worse than anything you've ever seen. And I say that as a guy who reads comics, and I can't mm-hmm. wait. because It might be Ant-Man. It could be Ant-Man. If it is, that's a disappointment because I want it to be something bigger. Um, Because as a fan of Marvel, Marvel is an amazing... Like Marvel and DC, uh, as a comic nerd, Marvel, every... Just like every 10 years they do something insane that nobody thinks is a good idea and that almost ruins their business but it's because they're such creative people that when they make their mistake it's from a creative standpoint and it's almost admirable in a way. Mm-hmm. Like in the comics there was this whole thing that pissed Spider-Man fans off to no end which was the Spider Are you familiar with the Spider-Man clone? saga yeah 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 at one point they declared there was a clone of spider-man and then that guy went off to live his life then marvel declared they'd made a mistake and peter parker had actually went off the real peter parker had went off because he thought he was the clone and it enraged fans oh they retconned it yeah So eventually they went... It turns out we were wrong. It was Peter Parker the whole time because people were mad. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing funnier than a mad comic book fan. There's just (laughs) nothing funnier. In mass, Yeah. Um, All right. (laughs) Speaking as a mad comic book fan, I've been that guy.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, let's move on to... uh, I Saw Kingsman.
1: Yeah, I wanted to get your opinion on this because I'm getting a fair amount of fan feedback or saying Chris doesn't know what he's talking about. It was great. However... Um, the other reviewers like CJ Johnson have agreed with me. So I wanted to get your opinion on this film.
0: It's funny after doing the Mike Kaplan episode where you and Mike kind of split on it. Yeah. And then, and then reading all these, these fans online, Mm -hmm. like I think one of the, the Sacame boys said they really liked it. Um, I've went into it thinking I'm probably going to disagree with Chris. Right. That's why I, I was like, yeah. I, I bet you I'm gonna I'm gonna side on. I really I yeah. really like this. I had almost a sim, the exact reaction. that wow, you Wow,
1: that's so cool. I went in the same thing. I went in.
0: I went in, and the, the action in the beginning, I'm like, this is awesome. This is fun. I mm-hmm. like this world. Um, and then it just got a little slow. And I don't want to do any spoiler alert, but then there's some stuff in the very ending that's like, wow, I guess Matthew Vaughn's a real creep or whatever. Like that stuff with the princess, I was like, what is – that has no – that makes – there's no reason to put that in here at all. I was like, this is so dumb. And I was – I saw it in Vegas with with Gary Brightwell who uh, um, I've been working with a lot recently and he and I were both like – we both walked out like I mean that was that was fun. There was fun moments in it. I don't mm. I I'm not i am not going to say I hated it. Right. I, definitely mm. fun moments. The the people who really like the film, I see why they yes. really like mm-hmm. it.
1: And it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't on board with the whole thing. It was literally the first half or the first third. I was like, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Acts two is kinda yeah. and then act
0: three are like
1: Yeah, I felt like the movie turned on me. Yeah, That's it what did. I, really, <laughs> I really
0: I really did. And I and I I I wish I had been more familiar with the comic So Mm -hmm. I could know, you know what I mean? Did they, did they screw with this or something like that? And again, as we talked about, I like Matthew Vaughn. I was excited. I love Matthew Vaughn. I
1: mean, watch Stardust, you know, any of his movies. They're they're fantastic.
0: But just something went off the rails for me in the third act couldn't agree more yeah i I had i was fully expecting to come in here and go chris you're out of your mind that movie was great but no i was like yeah man Sadie was kind of on a ball on this one so you guys that really liked it you know uh it's all right some people are dumb (laughs) no no i don't know i get it it is a fun film yeah i just yeah i just lost (laughs) me for a little bit um so now another movie that we've talked about on the show that I have yet to see. Uh, but I still
1: want to do a spoiler up on this right, one. All right.
0: We'll see. <laughs> but Jim, you saw Fifty Shades of Grey. I did. You have some thoughts on this movie. Yeah. It, it's not a
2: good movie. And it's, <laughs> and, it's, and it's not a good movie for reasons that it's funny because it, it made me think about Hollywood in general. Um you remember the movie Eyes Wide Shut? Do you remember yes, the movie yes, Eyes Wide uh-huh. Shut? And Eyes Wide Shut, of course, was went and looked at the CD underworld of the Rich, rich sex, sex Club Sex mm-hmm. Club. And it was and it was not sexy, right? You remember that? Remember how it was just so surprisingly not sexy? And fifty shades of gray is it reminds me of how it's that there are certain things that are difficult for Hollywood and sex is one of them. Sex is one of them because the, the to take basically a particular kind of fetish, and lots of people have fetishes. You know, I'm very into anyone who will say yes. Um, <laughs> That's your fetish. Yeah, I love is <laughs> a
0: willingness to have consensual sex. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: I think I have that fetish too. <laughs>
2: I'll tell you what. I think I like it so much because it happens. You guys so. are really out of the mainstream right that. We're living out <laughs> on the edge here, but. Everything in it is too pretty. That's what makes it not sexy. And I think it's difficult for Hollywood. It would be difficult for Hollywood to make a good version of this movie, although they did with Secretary. Secretary is an ah, incredible film. Yeah, I didn't see Secretary. They knocked it out of the park with that movie. The performances, I what is it, oh, Maggie Gyllenhaal? Yeah, James mm-hmm. Spader, and and James Maggie, Spader came yeah. out in 2002. That movie is erotic in the best sense because you. In a weird way, it felt more real, too. You feel an emotional connection to these characters, which, of course, makes it more erotic because you can relate to their desire to feel fulfilled, to feel human. Whereas this movie, everybody is so beautiful. Like, you've got, um, you know, our lead man has got this stomach that's, you know, a cartoon of a man (laughs) that and and they're into the the human, soft human photoshop. Yeah, the softest version of bondage possible. And I guess like magic movies, there's almost no discernible rules whereas bondage is all about rules. Not just do this, but also here's where I feel safe. Like there's so much within the lifestyle. Have either of you ever been to a sex club? No. Okay, I have been to a sex club. They're horrible. But they're but they're exact- How many
1: times have you been to one to verify? Uh
2: like three. Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. There's a lot of things going into other things. It's great. But the thing about them but is say that
1: about a beer factory. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's, that's a been, very broad description. Basically a beer yeah. factory and a sex
0: club are the same
2: thing. They're, I say this in my act, so I'm i I'm gonna call myself out because I hate it when people do this, but it's true. And I might as well say it. So here's the deal on what a real sex club is. A real sex club is your chance to have sex with ugly people. That's what a real sex club is, because that's who's going to go to a damn sex club. It isn't for pretty people. Life is a sex club for pretty people. So that's not what it is. And the movie. That's just true, right? So a movie like Fifty Shades of Grey is so superficial about human sexuality, and it dawned on me that I thought I would never... I feel a way that old people used to feel, but I think for better reasons, which is I think Hollywood used to be better at depicting sex when they showed less, not because nudity isn't great, because it is great, but because since you're not good at showing how gross... Sex is. I don't care who's having sex, by the way. The most beautiful people in the world having sex, pretty gross. We all have to do it. We all enjoy doing it, but it's not beautiful, it's necessary. You know, it is necessary to keep me from being violent and angry with the world. <laughs> it's necessary to have kids who are going to be terrible people who have sex with other people. <laughs> All of that's necessary. And if you were to depict that in a film, it would be unpleasant. I get it. But that's what it would be, really be. Did you ever see um, uh, the Make a Porno movie? What was the name of that movie?
1: Zack and Myra. Zack and Mary Myra Make, and a, make a, a Porno. Myra.
2: There's one scene where he's laying on top of her, and they're filming it, and they're like, ugh. And I'm like, exactly. That's what sex is. It's two people who are like, oh, okay. Well, neither one of us are any good, but let's do this thing. Let's do this let's thing. Let's go to a club. Let's do whatever. <laughs> let's do this thing that's going to make us feel better for a little bit.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. So,
2: And I hope you have hot water. That's all <laughs> anybody ever thinks. That's all anybody ever thinks is, this is great, but I, God, I hope you have hot water. And mm-hmm. Man, your place smells funny.
1: <laughs> you know, everyone has different problems with that film. That's interesting. I never like, heard uh, that. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, but, uh, but here's the thing: everyone some has a different problem, problem with with Fifty Shades of Grey. But here's the thing: they're all valid.
2: I'm sure when I see it, it's going to be like helicopters would never fly like that. <laughs> some of the people's problems with the movie annoy me because, like, some people's objections to the movie is they object to the way her character's treated and I'm like, well, yeah, but that's her fetish. That's a silly objection only because there are real people in consenting relationships. Now, if your objection is they don't realistically or accurately depict the consent, that's a legitimate, but that's a script problem. That's not a problem with the fetish itself. However, people need to feel happy is how they need to feel happy. I find those to be just, prude objections and that's the problem with analyzing this film because if you you can't be a prude and analyze it you have to be open-minded and go this is why it's garbage it's not garbage because ooh, sex it can't be that it has to be from a standpoint of cinema and like this is poorly depicted sex it's worse than a porn it really is whereas in pornography it's bad because it's all gynecological and you're just Pointing a camera, it's fluid and it's awful. But this is worse because it it's a lie. Everyone's beautiful and the, and everybody is. A, look. Yeah, what
1: if he wasn't rich? Like we talked about this before. What if he was a school teacher? I want to show you my playroom. No, no, no thanks. He would call Sorry. the police. Or what if he, he worked at the hardware store with her? You yeah.
0: know?
1: <laughs> oh, you don't oh. have a helicopter? No, I'm not interested.
0: Yeah, I'm not yeah. having weird sex with you.
2: Yeah, absolutely uh, that's a good question. Because poor you... guy with uh, yeah. a, with a beer gut. Yeah, you're, not, you're not,
1: You don't win. You can't even afford all these uh, le- these leather um, and 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 <laughs> yeah and silk. No. And some all... of
2: the some of the uh, we have to
1: do it with do those pull
2: ties again. This is ridiculous. How <laughs> dare you? Get, pull ties. <laughs> I've talked to a few like uh, feminist comics about this too, because I know some women who. really love the books. I know lots of women who love the books. And they also don't like the movie. So it's even a poor adaptation. So you can even go back to to the question of, you know, is this Fantastic Four movie going to be good? Well, did they honor the source material? And again, did they capture? But I, I wonder if it's even possible. Because it dawned on me all the women who say they didn't capture it, I'm like, I don't know if you can, because the eroticism of the written word is a completely different thing and appeals to women in a particular right. way and appeals to a woman's thought process. Very, I know that's sexist, but in my defense, I'm ridiculing my gender because women understand a certain complexity that appeals to them in the sensual world. That I'm just like, oh, thank God you're here. That's all I think, really.
1: I think the the main, I mean, there's many, many problems with that film. But the main thing, I now, I'm not an expert on S&M or this lifestyle at all. But the way it's presented, I'm sure, was incorrect for two very obvious reasons. One of them is, uh, like what you're saying is, ultimately, it's a fetish and it's a way for someone to receive or give pleasure sure the whole premise of christian gray is that he's only this way because he was raped and abused as a child this is why he's into this right and the way he is getting her into it is basically blackmailing her into saying well you want to be with me and have these helicopter rides this is what we're gonna do so there's never that like this is we are two people who want to explore and do this together it's always some negative reinforcement or negative reason right. to actually go, get into that
2: go back to secretary because you're 100 <laughs> percent right because in secretary it's two damaged people and honest to goodness isn't everybody damaged to some degree right mm-hmm. and they find each other and at the end of the movie they're living a life that is weird compared to your norm Right. But it's actually not weird. It's the most normal thing. It works thing. for them. It is two people trying yeah. to be happy. Mm-hmm. And could there not be anything more normal right. than two idiots wishing they could be happy? That's right. amazing. All
0: right, I'm Good gonna luck. have to. I'm gonna go see this. <laughs> Jesus no, I think Christ. you. Yeah, you got All right. it. Um, well, let's go into. Uh, I, I saw, and so did Jim. Uh, saw some some documentaries online. Yeah, um, yeah. There's there's. There's two that I watched on Netflix. One is there's basically a, a PBS documentary on the actual Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid that was on Netflix. And this movie was really interesting because if you're a fan of the Newman Redford film, as I am, and I've watched that movie a bunch of times, it was really cool. And I, I, if you like that, that film that came out in the 70s, I highly suggest this documentary because it will enhance that movie for you for several reasons. They get into the actual history of where these two guys grew up, and there's a they the, the, the uh, I'm going to bring up the the uh, the Paul Newman and, and uh, hold on Butch, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance. Okay, that came out in 1969.
1: There's never been a better train explosion in any movie. Oh come
0: on, it was great, man, <laughs> uh, and it was it was directed by George Roy, George Roy Hill, uh, who you know. He had done. Um, what else had he done? He had done. What he 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 directed some stuff on Playhouse 90, which is amazing. Like, uh, Patty Chavsky came out of there. Uh, Rod Serling came out of those. Those are those live TV shows. Uh, he did Slaughterhouse Five. He did The Sting. Um, so uh, that was um, that was. He did it with the World According to Garp, which oh, I know you love. He did. Slap Shot, um, which so that movie uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid um, is is a really I love that movie and it's a classic piece of film and if you have never seen it you
1: and should. oddly enough less quirky than some of those other films
0: less quirky mm-hmm. than some of those other films and he really tried there's so much accurate stuff in that movie I found out based on watching this, this PBS documentary on Netflix that made me go wow that was so cool they were both really that good looking no that's the one <laughs> Uh, the Sundance kid was a nerdy looking guy from the East Coast and I'm like wow Robert Redford but that's that's more of just and this is something Robert Redford fought in his career a lot was he was so good looking (laughs) he was such a movie star matinee idol um, watch
2: his episode of the Twilight Zone and you will fall in love
0: where he is young plays young death yes that's amazing it's Um, really good and uh but this is the thing where uh that aspect of it um was actually butch Cassidy was probably the better looking of the two in real life, um, but the history and where they came up, where he got his name, where he decided to call him why he decided to call himself butch cassidy, how the history of the of the West it was the late 1800s, and a lot of this stuff is in the actual you know the George Roy Hill film of the uh, railroad industry was linking the East with the West and there was money and there was mining and they were like, no more of this Wild West shit. you know. And that's why they hired the Pinkertons and they got that Earl Holloman or whatever the name was in the movie. That's the actual guy that was in charge of the railroad company that was like, I don't give a shit, these guys are done. They're cutting up our profits, we don't like this how butch cassidy was a genius in terms of he planned these robberies out really well most bank robbers were just like you know hotheads who'd get a couple drinks in them and go shoot the place up and grab a couple hundred bucks and get out of there and he was like and the history and the woman who's depicted in the film that was played by katherine ross that's an actual character um that they history knows a little bit about her, but not that much. So they had to kind of fill that in for the for this, for the film. It's it's really fascinating. It was really it was really interesting. And it's I don't know. It's forty five minutes. It's not too long, but it was mm-hmm. if, if if it'll enhance your your view of this this of film, film of the film so much that Very I cool. highly recommend it.
2: That's awesome. Um, I Remind you that the seventies was great for film. Oh man, yeah.
0: it was that era that was just and I again go back to the book. Uh, easy Writer's Raging Bulls will give you even more. That's the other thing. If you've read that book, which we've mentioned on the show before, and Alan Havy has talked about it.
1: Maybe we'll start carrying it in the store. You mentioned it enough times. You know what, maybe. we should. Let's yeah. just buy some <laughs> copies and
0: sell it because it's a fucking great book. You know what, we'll we'll look
1: into that, actually. Yeah. We'll, add, we'll see about adding that to the store. That's a great idea. Add and, it to our book pack, too.
0: And this, doc, this documentary... <laughs> again not just enhances this particular film but enhances that whole era of filmmaking that they were this wanting to be this accurate and yeah. and, and and the artistic choices they took were really well thought out and creatively served the storytelling the best yeah. and some of it is well we just got to fill in the blanks here cuz we don't know and so we're going to do it in a cool way not a not a ridiculous way and so it, it was really cool um but then another movie I watched didn't see all of it when I was on the road, but watched part of it that you, Jim, you saw, which we haven't I talked s- about, Citizen Four. Yeah. I saw it in the theater. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, yeah. So what was that like? Because this movie is...
1: <laughs> this was the actual documentary, not
0: yeah. the... This um, is the interview with Edward Snowden. Not the it
2: Sherlock is.
1: movie.
0: Yeah, not the Sherlock... <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. It is a really interesting film. It's it's scary. It's certainly scary, and it and it reminds you what a tenuous grasp you have on whatever it is you think freedom is um it really makes you uncomfortable with uh but if watch the movie enough times and you're a paranoid crazy person because it really does really just just lays out the case for the fact that you maybe are being watched and and that really this like one of the things that uh, the government hides behind a little bit is they'll say that, well, we're not really listening to specific conversations. We're, we're gathering metadata, data and they'll talk about that. But the reality is, yeah, except when they're not. Except when they're not, and it's really easy for them to do. And what the documentary does really well, I thought, was the documentary itself doesn't give you that opinion via... Um, preaching like there's not somebody who's selling you that by telling you what to think they just lay out the case because the case itself is there yeah i just got paranoid and covered up the
0: <laughs> camera on my laptop because there's a scene in the movie where he's like he he's in this hotel i think they're in hong kong right and he goes and he that he calls downstairs for something to the, the front desk and he out and he goes oh you see these voip phones yeah, we can jack into these. And he goes, everything your cell phone, the camera on your cell phone, the camera on your laptop, we can jack into all that. We did all of that at the NSA. Yeah, and you're just like, that's what's scary to me. Like you saying, and the government's always, wow, well, we got to stop terrorism, and we're just we're just checking certain things. But if they wanted to, they could be in this room watching anything we're doing. Yeah, which.
1: Yeah. What a waste of their time. (laughs) Uh,
0: uh, Well,
2: and... Dean's not even here.
0: Yeah, Hanshot first, NSA. What's
2: What's interesting, too, is... So you take the documentary and watch it in a vacuum. That's fine. And then analyze it on its own. But then put the documentary in the context of what you know, watching the news and watching press releases out of the White House, and the way they paint him, you know, is... It is honestly not accurate the way that the government portrays him, which betrays even more how much they have to hide. Because they treat Snowden as if he's just this wretched criminal, and he just isn't. Is he a criminal? Well, yes, by a certain definition he is. But even within the documentary, you see how careful he was not to release information that would have compromised the lives of of people actually protecting us, you see him take care not to release that kind of information. You see him, and not not a narrative. This is just footage of him going. Well, I can't release this because I don't want to hurt other people. I just want. Inf-. So he's even careful about what he releases, and yet that's not the narrative you hear. Is on it Fox. like it,
1: sensitive, like? CIA like like uh, operative information, like absolutely. On the and some stuff. of
2: that, some of that, some that I couldn't even know because they don't release it. But some mm-hmm. of it is like, well, okay, I should be the one. Like at one point, he talks about how he should be the one sacrificed to this premise, but he's trying very hard not to take other people down with him. That's fascinating.
0: It, it was really, it was really. Um, it's an interesting and and you know. Uh, I thought well done documentary, very straightforward documentary.
2: Very straightforward. There's not a lot of
0: <laughs> which I think is a smart call. The, the documentarian is uh, Laura Poitras, if I'm if I'm saying that correctly. She's done a bunch of of docs: Flag Wars, My Country, My Country, The Oath, um, and uh, Death of a Prisoner, and 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 now Citizen Four. So I, I think it was a good choice on her part to not. Do like the I guess it pops in my head right now is the kid stays in the picture, which is a great documentary, and it's it, it 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 it's a lot of you see the director's hand, but for good reasons, like it jazzes up that whole era because just listening to Robert Evans' talk, lockdown down camera would be boring, but in this, you need to just have yeah Snowden just talk and tell you because you're just like. It's very. It needs to be very sort of transparent because that's what the that's what the theme yeah, and is all about. Had Where did
2: they interview him? Hotel room. In, in hotel rooms. In, um, a yeah. couple times on. There's a couple conversations conversations that happen on a laptop. So they just type out mm. the information. Mm. Some on the phone, but it's a variety of hotels, and you really do get the sense of him being trapped in hotels, and him being trapped in an airport. And him just more or less being trapped. The latest news—I don't know if you saw this on Reuters. I think it came out yesterday. Snowden wants to come home, right. um, and all he wants guaranteed is a fair trial, which is funny. I don't know that you can get guaranteed that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's difficult to guarantee that. What
1: Country would he be tried in?
2: What do you? Well, it would have to be here, right? Because mm. that would be yeah. where the violation occurred. That would be the country who you've. Got a beef to settle <laughs> yeah,
0: right. yeah, but could he get a fair trial here? I don't know. That's that's a and
2: I don't even blame And he's not a citizen. Would he get a would he get Oh, because yeah, he renounced his citizen. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh... It's already getting murky. Yeah.
0: But it is interesting that you say like like
2: I don't even blame the people who wouldn't give him a fair trial. It's just complicated to give anybody fair anything. Right. You know, just think about giving. He, he did
0: compromise the security of this country.
2: Yeah, there is a criminal. Yeah, he
0: did. I mean,
1: I, I agree. so it's like military tribunal. What would it be? <laughs> Oof. Yeah,
0: I mean, he's not in the military. He worked for them. He was a contractor for the NSA, is my understanding. So he he can't be tried by the military enemy
1: combat. Is he an enemy combat? Yeah. Well,
0: they'd love to put him in that capacity. Because <laughs> in the military, it's guilty before innocent. Yeah. So. Um, you know that's real he tricky. Probably
1: stay where he is.
0: You know, I mean, I I'm I'm glad he did what he did. I'm glad he's pulling the cover off of this stuff.
2: But yeah, whew.
0: I mean, it's ter- it is it is scary. Yeah, it, it's scary. But it's but but as a, also just as a movie and as a documentary, it does the thing that good documentaries do, which is well shows you a bunch of stuff you might not have been aware of,
1: and you may you know in another year or so you might have enough. Material for a sequel Because you don't know What's going to happen What if this actually happens What if he actually right. Does go to a trial
0: Yeah What happens Yeah And if he and if he is sent to prison What's the backlash going to be If he's free What's the backlash going right. to be mm-hmm. Yeah Are, I mean there could be riots Either way
2: <laughs> You know what I mean Like I think I think there's going to be Something much worse Than riots Regarding Snowden And it's going to be Absolute apathy I'm absolutely Well that's the biggest Problem in America But I guarantee you That this is apathy Because I let me ask you a question. What do you think about Miley Cyrus? Do you like Miley Cyrus? Yeah, she's fine. Do you like Miley Cyrus? I don't care what i Too many people have an opinion about Miley Cyrus. And honest to goodness, people our age that I know have a very complex opinion about Miley Cyrus. <laughs> complex. <laughs> like, I mean, if you talk to them, it's a well-thought-out position. Right. And if you talk to them about Justin Bieber, oh, my God. The Qadar- so Kardashians, angry. whatever. They're yeah. So angry. So angry. There are too many opinions about things that don't merit opinions. Right. And so the Snowden thing, well, will people care? It will very much depend upon if a delightful 20-something-year-old is semi-nude in a video that week. Because if she is, nobody cares about Snowden.
0: No, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, uh, I did a documentary about a movie nobody gives a shit about, and I'm a comedian nobody knows who cares nobody sure. fucking cares about that stuff that was the thing i remember so many times coming back saying you know, i tell people oh yeah i was just doing shows in afghanistan and they would say one of two things we still got troops there this is in 0406 and 07 mm. and or they'd say oh wow that's so great you were in iraq <laughs> uh, really no, you no, don't I-
1: get that reaction
0: Constantly, dude That No way that, wasn't a, that was a constant Oh, so Because they, they just It's just all America's It's just the Middle East And I'm like Well, Afghanistan and Iraq Two totally different situations Yes, we're both at yeah. war We're both technically fighting Al-Qaeda But they're very different countries yeah. With different histories
1: Yeah, they're different to everyone But uh, our former president yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah But I mean, it's like And I, I remember in 2012 I went to Kuwait And people were like Oh, be careful It's Kuwait I go, it's, fuck It's Kuwait dude. We're not a, We have yeah. bases I mean you know anything like about Kuwait? It's like Qatar, or or uh, like
1: we have comedian friends who go to um, Israel and do shows, right? Uh, like uh, Avi, and Lieberman Avi Lieberman, as well. yeah. And uh, he, uh, when people say, "Was well, it safe?" He just laughs. He's like, "There are certain areas that are a little more dangerous than others, but like America, yeah." No, although just in, inside of Israel, right? And then, but he said, "You know where we're gonna be? It's it's this. It's like going to the mall." Right.
0: So oh I like got it's, it's, Well, people, people <laughs> said people said stuff like. Man, the terrorist attacks and all that stuff. I go, you know, we've had them here. New York, uh, Boston. I mean, right. we've had mm-hmm. terrorist attacks here. We had homegrown terrorists blow up a building in Oklahoma City. Yep. Um, what, there's yeah. 30,000 handgun deaths a year. What the fuck country you think you're living in? Like, yeah. I mean, so that, the apathy is, is what rules the day. And the, and the media is about keeping everybody scared and focusing on well, whatever. for profit. Right, scared for profit, and then the keep keep you keep you focused on J Lo and Miley Cyrus and whoever's boob fell out at the Super Bowl or whatever. Like <laughs> yeah. that's
1: that's. By the way, no boobs fell out. Oh, no I know. I'm so
0: mad about that. No, really exactly. Show, <laughs> it's funny. You no, know, you think you think Citizen Four would come out and all the country? Oh, you had Katy
1: Perry and Moment Shots. That's right. all you had.
0: Right, but you think exactly, but you think Citizen Four would come out and the whole country would rise up? Nope. Yeah, they're gonna rise up about something dumb.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Citizen Four is a couple hippies after the movie going. Oh man, let's go get some sushi and talk about this movie, which is what we did. Right. Uh, so, well, let's, uh, So we're encouraging people to see it.
0: See it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Form yeah. an opinion, and then uh, listen to Party in the USA. It's a great song. Yeah. Miley Cyrus. It's <laughs> yeah. fun, and it, that's what you should do with Miley Cyrus. Just listen to her music and yeah. enjoy it,
2: or don't. She's an absolute delight. She's very. Fun. She's a good entertainer. Yeah, she's, she's really, great entertainer.
0: Yeah. Um, another. Uh, well. What do you want to
1: do? (laughs) (laughs) Go, we can go to DVDs.
0: Yeah. Let's go to DVDs.
1: Okay. And uh, now there's only one that came out right now and that's uh, a Foxcatcher.
0: Which I saw. um, Yes. Good film. It's one of those Oscar movies that if it fell through the cracks for you, I would highly recommend watching it. Steve Carell does a great job. Mark Ruffalo is amazing in it.
1: And Channing Tatum does an amazing job too.
0: And it's, it's unfair because he gets so overshadowed because Mark Ruffalo and Steve Carell did such a great job. But, it's Channing Tatum is a really good actor. It, it's it, these, he uh, keep. I mean, Jupiter ascending. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just
1: like, I mean it, when in his elf ears, yeah. But uh,
0: it's just, you <laughs> no, know you watch those were Vulcans. He's a Spock.
1: You're watching this uh, movie and you're realizing how great these performances are. Uh, it's also a very quiet film, mm-hmm. so you can actually really absorb the uh, performances. These actors are directed amazingly. They look great. Just everything from how these actors move right. is uh, is. Fascinating. Uh, the, the problem with this film is that, as a film, it doesn't quite come together as well as it uh, as it might, and that's why I think it didn't get a lot of the other nominations. Yeah, um, but it definitely deserved it for acting. There is no question now. What? Because I saw it too, and one of the things I had a problem with this film is the character motivations. The way what the director chose to show, like a lot of times, these characters are set up, and then uh, they make a decision, then. A little later in the film, they change that decision or they change it. But you never see the mechanism that makes them change their Mm -hmm. mind. And it happened too many times for it to be a coincidence. So I know it was a choice by the filmmaker, not to show those moments. Like a good example is Mark Ruffalo. He's like, well, I, I'm not working for him. I got my whole life for him, my whole family. And then in a scene later, he's like, he's coming in on the helicopter. Like, well, wait, wait, what changed right. your mind? And uh, the way the actors, the they treat each other, like, you know, first they're fast friends or whatever, mm-hmm. then, you know, the, the relationships sour or get better. And you, <coughs> you, you never really see exactly what changed it. Like what was the tipping point to make it changed uh, and go in another direction? So, but like I said, it was intentional because it happened way too many times for it to be <laughs> an omission. Right. Um, so I, I did have some problems with the actual film, but the performances were absolutely stunning. Like you, They were so good that you forget you're watching Channing Tatum and Steve Carell. You just think you're watching really those good, characters. Yes,
0: yeah. Just for those performances. Yeah. And, when, and when, the, when the story sort of <clears throat> has its little problems, they're, they're minor. The, pro- yes. the problems you're talking about, on <clears throat> its own, it's a fine film compared to all the big Oscar movies. Right, that, right, that's where yeah. you got to sort of put it under the microscope, yeah. but it's uh-huh. well worth seeing. It's yes. well worth seeing.
1: Um, and then speaking of Channing Tatum, I, I got the chance to see 22 Jump Street, and this was the sequel to 21 Jump Street. And I, I got to tell you, it, it's not a great movie, but it has some really funny moments mm-hmm. in it. And it was one of those movies that... Um, i get it it's self-aware it's like you know they make a lot of jokes about sequels and what they were doing and look you got to just kind of do what you did before that's what people want to see you got lucky the first time like it's the police <laughs> captain talking to them and realize he's really talking about the sequel. right so um which is kind of funny but it's also it's like well you are doing the same thing again it's you're acknowledging it but that doesn't change the fact that you are still doing the exact same thing right. again um every time ice cube talks to Channing Tatum and calls him a dumb motherfucker. I'm on the floor. It's so funny. And, and Ice Cube just, I just, is just... That's all I want him to yeah. do is yell at people. He's uh. like, no, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> and, and there's scenes with Ice Cube and he actually steals the movie. Like, he's worth seeing this movie for. Just really? to see him yell at people <laughs> and just act like a crazy person person like he just loses it it's so funny like uh you know audrey and i watched it, and then we were actually talking about it the next day how funny those scenes were with uh with ice Cube. so uh, um they do some funny things like they they really um play with the um the convention of sequels and how many more are they gonna make and um so i I can't imagine there's gonna be another one (laughs) there's no way they could make another one but the um the it's more exciting and interesting and funny to actually in, with the scenes with ice cube than it is to actually watch uh, jonah hill and channing tatum they're good but there's they're nowhere near as funny as when god when ice cube is screaming at them oh,
0: that's uh, awesome.
1: so so definitely uh check it out all right it's a good movie to watch at home with sure. a fast forward there you go it is
0: uh, all right coming out this week chappy I'm excited to see this film.
1: Okay, well, you like Short Circuit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I like Short Circuit too. Really, that's going to be in the next comedy film nerds book. (laughs) Um, Here, here's why. uh, Obviously, it's with uh, you know, it's directed by uh, Neil Blomkamp, who did um, District Nine, and uh, and it's got Elysium, uh, Elysium, Mm, Uh, Charlton Copley. It looks like this is kind of going back to this, the heavy social commentary that, that he was successful with with um, with uh, District 9.
1: I hope you're right. Yeah, at least uh, it was definitely I, a big fan. I, I right? really look at this movie as like, because you can't really tell too much from the trailer, what direction is this movie going to go in? Is it going to go heavy social commentary, some really cool exploration between... Uh, humans and artificial intelligence, or is it going to be, like I said, short circuit?
0: I, well, <laughs> oh my God, I hope it's not short circuit. Here's what I think, because because some of the things I've seen, in the, you know, I've seen two two trailers now for it, I believe. And it seems like it's getting into this, which kind of touches on Citizen Four a little bit, because he talks a lot about this, is the drones. That's a big thing that we should be talking about in this country, and how you can just fly in and bomb or whatever. And they're kind of touching on that with this, because it's... it's um, it's a mechanic. These are mechanicalized cops. These are like yes. robot police. Well, you can
1: go all the way back to RoboCop. Yeah, you look at you know with like- the
0: misuse of power yes. and 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 all that stuff. So I think it might, you know, and Hugh Jackman in a mullet. I think it's worth <laughs> it. It's worth the price of admission yeah. right there. So I actually I really want to see this movie. I'm excited to see it. So uh,
1: uh, I hope you're right because okay. I, I this is one of those movies I want to. Yeah, be, you, good. Want to be good. Yeah, want you want it to be. Yeah, I want it to be good. good because I'm a big fan of the filmmaker. Uh, I love the I love metaphorical science fiction, mm-hmm. so like I'm I'm rooting for this movie and I the, the, to the not
0: too distant future. I'm excited about because we can already sort of see it happening. It's not mm-hmm. like hundred years where you go, wow how did how did we get from here to there? There's right. none of those questions. It's just sort of you're like, yeah, we're, that's right around the corner, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then of course coming out is the second best exotic marigold hotel.
2: That for- looks amazing.
0: First one was fine. I think this will be, like, yeah. I think it's actually the, a good sequel.
1: C.J. Johnson sent us a, uh, a review. We're having some issues with the site right now again, but yeah. uh, we will be getting that review up very uh, shortly. But he, um, he pretty much said what you were saying. Like, uh, you can check out the review. But basically, this, this sequel was not necessary, but it doesn't do anything wrong. It's, it's, you know, it's fun, and if you like the first one, you're, you're going to enjoy the,
0: uh, the, next, the second one. All right. Um, all right, site spotlight. What do we got? Neil?
1: Neil actually did a great Oscar um, wrap-up on the site. You can check that out. Um, there's a couple of really good articles. There's a really good – if you haven't already, you really got to check out Jackie Cation's article on superheroes and the movies. And also – because she really gets in like kind of the meaning and philosophy a little bit. Uh, and it's a, it's a really uh, great article. So you really want to check it out. And she gets, she gets into some heady topics that you wouldn't expect for – Talking about superheroes in movies, so it's a it's a
0: good article. She's the one to write that. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> got a cool uh, tweet from at Yves the Steve Y V E S T H E S T E V E goes Graham. Have you seen the trailer for the gunman? And if so, please give me your thoughts. Hashtag no judgment. This is the new Sean Penn movie, right? Which just basically looks like oh I've been in Haiti for too long I got some bills to pay so <laughs> I'm gonna go do a taken
1: yeah or a born identity I'm gonna do
0: a born taken mm-hmm. identity <laughs> and and go be it's Sean Penn running around the world kicking ass cause he's a CIA guy who went off the reservation or some shit and he's gotta special a, ops sure yeah yeah, yeah settle yeah. some scores but wouldn't
1: he be retired special ops oh, by now is he
0: over the hill <laughs> is he, was he in too deep is he wound too tight <laughs> or is he he's coming back for one last gig I don't know <laughs> i don't maybe it's all of those things i don't care <laughs> here's why sean penn i can't think of off the top of my head maybe i'm wrong but i have i can't think of any movie that he phoned in he always brings it and this is clearly just a money grab
1: even the uh the remake of secret life of walter middy he didn't phone it in there No either. way, and he, he had a
0: small part in that. Yeah,
1: but it, he, he lit up the screen. And he
0: lit up the screen, and he was so intense in that film that I feel like he saw the script and went, okay, yeah, shoot him up, bang, bang, travel the world, guys with ponytails with one name, you know, Mikhail, he's the big guy, or whatever, <laughs> you know, there's a couple of those.
2: Yeah.
1: There's going to be a train at some point. Oh,
0: sure, <laughs> he's got to jump from car to car and a bridge in the car, and something's yeah. <laughs> going to blow up, but... If this I mean like like we talk about, like Liam Neeson has got another one of these taken
2: oh yeah taken
0: gun guys or whatever. I don't if if this is what Run you're, All Night is that yeah, the next run one, Yeah, Run All Night, yeah, yeah, that's
2: the new mm-hmm. one. I kinda like the plot of Run All Night from the trailer because I like the idea that the other guy wants to kill his son because Liam Neeson killed his son. Yeah. So they're both Liam Neeson.
0: Right. And Ed Harris <laughs> I kinda like that. Ed Harris is a bad guy I love. But getting specifically to the to the gunman. Uh, Steve At Yves the Steve I'm excited If this was starring Anybody uh, else He'd be like No way But Sean Penn well, Liam Neeson I, if it's, Yeah Liam Neeson <laughs> Or now Sean I want to see Sean Penn Play this kind of a Just cliche You know catchphrase Gun guy because, I wonder
1: if Eddie Redmayne Will get one of these
0: <laughs> Yeah Her bread probably He already It's in the can And he said right? Fuck that shit <laughs> After Jupiter ascending Put that thing Put that thing on lockdown so I want to see this and I, I think it's could be just the right amount of fun stupidity mm-hmm. like the, the taken movies have been right with just, you know, cliches and exposition, but still just awesome. Like, because here's the thing that you know, you're going to get from Sean Penn when there is a scene where he's got to say some like one-on-one stuff, it's going to be kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm excited to see. So All right. that's, that's fair okay enough feedback. Um, all right, guys. Well, that's our that's episode two fifty eight. Put it in the books. In the can. Can it, uh, Jim? Where can people find you online? Your podcast?
2: Uh, well, it's uh, who's this now uh, on Twitter. You can find us on Libsyn, uh, iTunes. Um, who's this now? It's a funny little show. Uh, my uh, my producer is Tom Griffin, who's a very funny man. Tom Griffin is a very funny man, but he does not like the outside world. So. You can enjoy him on our podcast and nowhere else. <laughs> me, um, You can see me doing stand-up. He's a uh, bit
1: agoraphobic?
2: No, he just knows better. <laughs> I just think, no, not at all. It's just, he just He's just very content, I think. I, I don't know. I never know how to read him. I just know I like him. He's a funny, funny man, and he helps me write the show. And he helps me. We have this little world that's evolving. What I'm liking about the show the most is how it just kind of evolves Mm -hmm. into this little world where we have, apparently we have, we just have a very big staff, (laughs) a huge staff over there at the studios. Uh, we're in the beautiful Culver City um, uh, Mega Studios now, and it's really impressive. So, right by Sony. That's right.
0: Yeah, you guys are right by Sony. Well, they're dwarfing Sony. Yeah, now. yeah absolutely. And then, right. where if people want to just follow you to get your see you perform, where would they do that?
2: Uh, follow me on Twitter, comic Jim Bruce, or you can follow me JimBruceComedy.com. dot com. You can actually actually also buy my comedy DVD.
0: Nice. I have a comedy
2: DVD, Jim Bruce. I'm dying as fast as I can, and that
0: was recorded at the Westside Comedy Theater in it Santa was, Monica. Yeah.
2: It's uh, very autobiographical, so if you want to hear more stuff about women who've made bad decisions with me, that's the place I, to go.
0: I loved it because you showed it to me and I've known you for a long time and it is such a pure version of who you are. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything, but something kind of happens and the way it happens and how you deal with it is so you <laughs> in the best sense. And I love your writing and I love your, your point of view and everything. So oh, thank you. So check that out, you guys. It's, yeah. a, it's a funny thing. Oh, thank you. Um, all right. Well, that's our program, you guys. Uh, I will be... This Friday, doing a show at an Air Force base in Great Falls, Montana.
1: If it doesn't get snowed if it out. it doesn't
0: get snowed out. I think they can handle snow removal in Montana, <laughs> a little bit <better> than <laughs> Oklahoma and Texas. No. I think they get a couple a couple, couple storms a year yeah, up there. and
1: they've got a few plows. They
0: might have one or two laying around. <laughs> uh, one right or two a sh- militias who could yeah, help out. Yeah, have got some militia guys <laughs> that square some things up. They can shoot the snow out of your oh, way. Oh, get her done. <laughs> um, so uh, we're doing that with uh, Gary Brightwell and Danny Villapondo, and I think... One other person. Um, so check that out, you guys. If you're if you're in the Air Force and you're in Montana, uh, and uh, you know, visit our store and have all that other good stuff. Yeah, we've
1: got a lot of good stuff. In fact, um, the limited Dana Gould CD DVD pack is actually almost gone. We yeah. only have a few of those left. So. Um, if you want one of those, definitely it's time to get it. And we Don't forget we have the Hit Clown and the Hello Junkie shirts on sale right now. So definitely check those out. They are limited editions. Once they go, they will be gone.
0: Yeah, so we slashed the prices just to make some room here in the garage.
1: Yeah, we need more room for Dana Gold stuff. So uh, <laughs> check so- out, uh, the you know, uh, everything's discounted. And the Hello Junkie shirts are actually long sleeve. They're nice.
0: The store works. The message boards and everything are screwed Yeah, the store up. works store great. Works it's it's on a
1: different <laughs> system.
0: Thank God. Well, the, uh, w- listen,
1: the internet can use fewer message boards. <laughs> <laughs> We're still having some issues Nobody with the, uh, the message them, boards.
2: Says, oh, I wish there was a place where more idiots could say that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: all right. Well, thank you once again to our guest, Jim Bruce. My name is Graham Elway.
1: And I'm Chris Mancini. As always, remember, Han Han shot, shot First. first.